Welcome to Alter Everything, a podcast about data science and analytics culture. As the year comes to a close, people all over the world are taking time to reflect. Maybe you hit a big life milestone, surpassed your yearly reading goal, or ran a marathon. Now, I didn't do any of those things, but it's fine because actually my favorite thing to reflect on is my music listening habits for the year. So whether you got a Spotify wrapped, Apple Music Replay, or simply know your soundtrack of the year by heart, there's a lot of music data out there. But what kind of data is collected? How do folks in the music business use it to make decisions? And how do those decisions play into what we ultimately listen to? For today's episode, you'll hear from Charlie Torble, head of data and insight for one of the world's leading music labels, Warner Records. Hey everyone, so yeah, my name is Charlie Torrible. I'm head of data and insight for Warner Records. I've been there, uh, I joined three years ago, was introduced to Ultrix two and a half years ago. Um, credit Ultrix with my promotion? Go on, let's start the Ultrix hype train straight away. Hosting the conversation with Charlie is my colleague Doyen Sonabar, an enterprise account executive at Ultrix. Doyen is also a doctoral researcher at Brunel University London, studying health inequalities and the experiences of Black sickle cell patients in the UK. She's passionate about DEI and B topics, is the events lead for the Women and Allies EMEA Network, and is an ambassador for the Duke of Edinburgh Award. Throughout their conversation, Charlie will share how analytics is a major player at Warner Records, how he himself got into the music industry, and how passionate he is about inclusion and psychological safety at work. Let's get started. Okay, so before we get into it, I thought it'd be really fun to do a quick this or that game. Oh. So don't think about it too much. Okay. Perfect. First answer that comes to your mind. Just say it, okay? Yes. All right, here we go. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Pizza or Chinese? Pizza. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert, extrovert. I want to say both answers to each of these questions so far. That's not the game, is it? No, it's not. It should be, okay. Pick one. Extrovert. Okay. With anxiety. (laughs) Okay. Burner boy or whiz kids? Burner. I agree with you on that one. Okay. Beer or wine? Beer. LA or New York? LA. Really? Mm, no. But again, you're asking questions. I want to go both sides. Okay, okay. So no, like no, no. LA, yeah. But you said I, LA. That's the I've answer I'm taking. Okay. Mm. Football or rugby? Exposition. Rugby. Yeah, you said your family, mm, right? We did. Big we went out friends. for dinner yesterday. Yes, we did. Behind the scenes. And it was Del- great. We had Asian, even though he said he prefers pizza. But it's all good. Yeah. Back to the game. Uh, Back to the game. Painting or photography? Photography. Summer or winter? Winter. David Guetta or Calvin Harris? Guetta. I knew you were going to say that because he's on Warner Records. <laughs> All right, thanks. That was fun. Um, he's not actually on Warner Records. He's on Warner, he's on Warner Music Group. But but you're yeah. still staying loyal to... Loyal. Loyal to loyal. the I want, overarching... Yeah, I'm going to send this to all the execs of the company so they know. And then you'll get another colours. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, honestly, it's great to hear that you're from Warner Records and you've had like a great career so far. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to hear where your career started from and how you've gotten to where you are today. Okay. Yeah, I'll do the short version. You know, as a kid, guitarist, loved music, very excited, uh, uh, you know, listening to records 
uh, records on the radio and always could imagine myself playing the guitar and you know complete passion from a as, as early as I can remember picked up the guitar had a great time went to uni to do physics it was either between music and at uni or physics at uni and then kind of flopped my music a levels so cruised through the maths and sciences so I was like right I can I can still love music, but I'm going to go study physics, degree in physics, finish the degree and then try to get into music. And everyone's like, why did you do a physics degree? That was a terrible idea. You have no music industry experience. The key thing here you need is experience. And that was a long grind, you know, eventually getting through the door an internship unpaid in those days, got fired from that four months in, I'm going to air all wow. my dirty laundry here. This is going to be real talk for the Please rest do. of the show. Please do, it's a safe space. <laughs> um, yeah, did the internship, then did another internship. And this, this second internship is where the real dots start getting joined. I'm at Warner Chapel, uh, music publisher, one of the majors, and I'm working in their legal and biz department. I get to tech out on some... Um, really nerdy clauses and stuff and they were like you just go and do your thing on that stuff and um it was great and the link that I'll come back to later is there is the there's an A&R in Warner Chapel and A&R stands for artist and repertoire and they are the people in charge of bringing the deals in um there's an A&R who is having the most amazing string of hits and he's signing I mean, Leanne Le Havis, Royal Blood, Tom Adele, Michael Kiwanuka, um, London Grammar. There's loads more, but there was just immensely fast, amazing music, mm. uh, bringing in amazing music. And I talked to him and the colleagues there. I'm like, how do you do this? What do you do? And they're like, go get your own roster. And if you get a good roster, then someone's going to employ you as an A&R because you can clearly hear music. And by roster, you mean... Like- so, re- so find talent out there to represent go and find it yourself everyone has the means if they have the kind of time which is a luxury in itself but (laughs) go and get your own roster of talent and then if your roster is good enough a publisher like Warner Chapel or someone might take you on so that that begins my foray into artist management takes me nine months to sign my first client and I'm 23 I think then or 24 I'm sorry, I said I'd do a short version of this and this is... It's okay. The long version is more interesting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And sign the first client and then the adventure starts there and we split into two strands, like the real paid work and the kind of make-believe management work on the side. After 18 months at Warner Chapel, I go to Polydor as an analyst. Uh, It's my first time working as an analyst in the industry. I think I got that job because I'd recently watched Moneyball and I just was talking about the film in the interview and that was the level everyone was at in 2013. Um, So 2013 going to Polydor as an analyst, 18 months there and I leave to be a consultant analyst, you know, just shop my work around and focus on management full time. It's going quite well. I've partnered up with a really good friend and we are now signing some deals that seem to be working. Our artists, we've managed to develop to a certain point. And then 
I spend, I think, two or three years focusing purely on that, the artist management and doing a bit of analytics consultancy, lots of touring, lots of making shit up as you go along. The final two steps are take a year out of music and go and production manage some amazing and uh, bombastic science shows, lots of explosions, come back to music, work in artist management again, and then spend two years there and leave that. Uh, just, you know, management is hard work and they needed a break. And luckily, here is the callback. Luckily, I got a call from the person who is now the president of Warner Records, who had been one of the A&Rs when I was an intern at Warner Chapel and had been talking to. And he said, go get your roster. And he'd heard I was a good analytical manager. Oh. And he was like, what would you do if you came into Warner Records? And I was like, phase one is data literacy and communication and and that, you know, once we can all share a language, then we can start cranking out some cool stuff that we can all apply. And I've been there three years since. So it all came full circle. Yeah. Essentially. And the music industry always does that. You're going to, it will go full circle constantly as long as you've kind of hopefully made a few good connections yeah. on the way up. And not burnt any bridges along the way because it's well, a small, small yeah, you know, world. Like I said, I managed to get fired on my first job. So I think have definitely burnt a few bridges but um but you built some too right yeah exactly. yeah building yeah. bridges yeah I think you mentioned something interesting which was I guess when your dreams of a rock star rock stardom if that's even the term uh fell away you decided to go into artist management and then there was a point where you spoke about the switch into analytics can you talk a bit more about that and what made you divert into analytics, data, consultancy? Because there are loads of artists, managers today that don't take that route. Yeah, it's a lovely debate. I'd want like a kind of, it's a fun one for a fireside chat energy because you end, well, my rhetoric ends up, you know, stepping away from data or analytics as a kind of isolated thing it is just vocabulary for describing a journey or an action or an event or something so the idea that data and analytics is yeah it's kind of compartmentalized is is wrong are you basically saying it's always been a part I'm of the journey you're wrong. no i'm not saying you're wrong oh okay. good because i'm always right <laughs> <laughs> I th I just think I think that's a consequence of uh like slightly corporate thinking about it but you know our president of Warner Records has a really lovely way of referencing it and his expertise as an A&R this is Joe Kentish I'm paraphrasing trying to quote his expertise at A&R within A&R is grounded in the fact he's seen and and helped create thousands and thousands of songs mm. so he is an analyst within the context of his domain uh maybe he doesn't have certain technical tools but the transition that we're kind of focusing on is not that meaningful a change in the sense that the data was always there and and uh was it was it that the data was always there and always existed but nobody had tapped into it yeah yeah to a manner of speaking and, you know, providing structure to the conversation. So now, like, within the context of the creativity that we work with in Warner and the maturing kind of analytics marketplace, the way I think of it is, like, it's all about the definition of success and 
how we move our creative you know partners on a journey from point a to a shared definition of success it's a kind of formalization perhaps of a process that you always have the potential to do and it can be very numbers based or in a database or it can be very intuitive or or like expertise human led and it's all valid it's an analyst part of the joy and the excitement and the challenges around pulling at all these strands and trying to tease them into a structured format which is then scalable and criticizable in a kind of logical fashion so essentially like solving business challenges in a creative way oh no did i summarize that well so good okay but you know what we're going to talk about that a bit further on but what i really wanted to get at is i guess you went from being an artist manager Mm -hmm. and by that you were touring with artists yeah you were supporting them perhaps getting them bookings for gigs and all that good stuff find their socks it's so different you gotta get their shoes from what you do today yeah well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it is you're not looking after an artist today well you are but not in the same way yeah totally i think I think it's good to, um, sorry to any artist managers listening, just the socks comment. I don't want to be patronizing. <laughs> My point is it's a crazy job that you have to do. There's all sorts of weird things you have to do to keep the wheels on the bus um, when push comes to shove. And, you know, I think that is invaluable. And if I get uh, a soapbox, which you kind of give me here a bit, uh, and I'm saying what makes a good analyst, it's to know your domain. And the experience as an artist manager, various experiences in publishers and labels has given me such close proximity to um, what the final task is and an understanding of how hard our colleagues have to work and how hard the artists are having to work and what it means to be creative in a commercial context and the wild, wild challenges that that brings up as a human, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the emotional response to a lot of the challenges that then totally frames how I try and communicate as an analyst and reprioritizes consistently the audience perspective so Mm -hmm. um the audience is always right sort of thing the customer is always right Mm -hmm. and I want to um I think in the endeavor to create like a good analytical resource or good analytical resources you have to prioritize that in a big way so all of that makes sense, but I guess the, the the point that I'm trying to come back to is what made you decide that today I am not just going to be an artist manager, I am going to be an analyst, I'm going to look at where my artists fall upon the charts, I'm going to dig into the data and see where whether they're going to be number one next week. Like what, what was the switch? The reason why I asked this question, right, is because mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people that are interested in careers in music. And there may be some young listeners who are interested in music, but they don't want to be an artist. They don't want to be an artist manager. And I kind of want to use this platform as a way to get them to think about all the options available to them. Love that. So it would be really good if you could shed some light as to what advice you'd give a young person who's considering a career in music. That's not literally being the face, right? But behind the scenes supporting the label as you do. Yeah, I, I love that intention. Let's um, give them some insight. Yeah. So, number one, easier to get paid as an <laughs> analyst than an artist manager, especially with the, the rise of tech companies and all the data that comes with that. You know, a couple of things. There's an immense amount 
uh, of work done behind the scenes, whether you consider yourself mathematically strong or, or, you know, strong in a STEM subject or not, I would encourage at least an investigation into the analytical space because, number one, you have the tools available to you, such as Ultrix, to navigate lots of complicated technical thinking in a really easy and direct way. I'm running things way beyond my kind of skill grade, thanks to Ultrix. So for those of you that feel a little bit sceptical about the availability of this path to you, I'd say go for it. Like there are people doing the work to make things easy for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, yeah, it's it's a lot more achievable than you think there. And, and sorry to cut you, but... That's all right. You did a physics degree, right? Yeah. And you're really good at maths and science. So would they need to have a degree like that could they have any sort of background there is that important in the mood in the music industry the priority situation for now i think is diversity of thought and Mm. diversity of approach to problems and diversity of experience and i didn't know this at the time you know the uh, when i was doing my physics degree analytics has become a domain within the music industry over the past few years so i've I didn't kind of plan this or, or anything. Uh, just I was lucky and I've been able to use the fact I had a physics degree to my advantage. So do you need to do a STEM? So STEM is science, technology, engineering, maths. Do you need to do a STEM degree? Potentially helps in one sense, but absolutely not necessary. Like I say, Ultrix and is providing products that will happily tackle those sorts of technical challenges. What you need, we really, fairly recently, it's probably a year ago now, employed uh, a member of staff and the outstanding factor that swung it in their favour was the creativity in which that they dealt with the problem. So we set some problems for them to deal with in the interview process. And theirs was very distinctly, oh, wow, I, I would never have thought to do it that way. That's really important to get in the room. They've communicated really well alongside it. Let's go. That's the agenda. And I appreciate that sort of creativity can take a certain type of confidence and feel daunting. And there's work to be done perhaps in outreach and and making sure people are aware that they have that kind of innate ability and stuff. That's a that's a thing to be tackled. But we are, you know, we're upskilling people into analytics spaces at the moment at Warner mm-hmm. who are explicitly not from a STEM background, but they bring really unique takes and that's the priority. No, it makes sense. And I think you, earlier on, you just, well, just now, you touched upon diversity of thought. It's interesting because I'm very passionate about diversity, equality, inclusion and belonging. And I'd really love to hear how you think DEIMB relates to work culture, especially from a perspective as an analyst. Yeah, absolutely. I think they are deeply entwined. And I'd be interested in your feedback on this, actually, because let me know whether you think this thinking is in the right direction. Sure. Psychological safety is the number one indicator of a high-performing team. Often the people Ultrix are dealing with major record labels and all the other incredible tech companies you're working with. These are now just high-performing teams. And if we are looking to optimize our skill sets, 
psychological safety is, a, is foundational to the communication and, and high performance of a team uh, and the ability to like adapt, react to insight. So a company has to go through quite significant changes if it's a legacy company now trying to sustain an analytical ecosystem. And so everyone in the room has to be ready to kind of reflect and communicate on that level. That just seems intrinsically tied to agendas of validating your peers, being seen, hearing people effectively. The link is something, it's about the foundation of you know, success is truly like, is true, is, is around true democracy and, and honest communication. And that is intrinsic, like quality communication is intrinsically related to a DEI agenda because it's about bringing your true selves. Absolutely. Yeah. I, no, sorry, I completely agree. So for me, it's all about authenticity and feeling like I can bring my whole self to the workplace, right? So when you speak about honesty and quality, and how I'm communicating, how I'm being perceived, I will only feel comfortable to do that if I am working in an environment where that's encouraged, where the culture is positive, where I feel heard, where I feel like people will respect whatever I bring to the table, even if they don't necessarily agree with what I'm saying. So I think that's where diversity of thought is important, especially, I guess, within the music industry, because your audience is varied. It's people from all kinds of walks of life. And so having a diverse team who can hopefully uh, relate in some way to different people, I think it means that you're more likely to bring out better music, um, be a better company, and hopefully one that um, talented people want to work for. Yeah, absolutely. And what we can end up finding is, is when we're on these journeys of instilling change in mm. our environments, the response that you receive to providing new analytical solutions within an analytical role you are often given the responsibility of affecting change so you are reporting some information to either support an action or change an action actionable insights and the experience of communicating at scale and then being met potentially with people that don't necessarily absorb the information mm -hmm. or you have miscommunicated in a way that makes the information unable to reach your intended audience. And then when you kind of step into the exercise of self-reflection and what is happening internally for me as a communicator and, and uh, just a human in this network of other people and how can I reach them and how can I help them change their mind and what resistances do I feel? as a person when I'm either experiencing my own resistances to change. I think that's what I'm trying to tap into when I'm saying a kind of analytical progression goes hand in hand with a DEI agenda because we're having to go through fantastic periods of change and... And analyze it as we go analyze along. Analyze it and the resistances that people experience. You're watching whole groups of people resist to a DEIB. I haven't heard DEIB before, so I'm interested oh. in in um, bringing belonging into my vocabulary. Well, well you, you've already been discussing it. You just didn't mention it. When you spoke about 
uh, honest right. and quality communication, right? Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah, well, you can't do that if you don't feel like you belong. Sure. Like, if I don't feel like I'm part of a group, I won't feel comfortable to voice my opinion in that group. Sure. It's the same kind of concept. And then when you are you are now in a position of leadership... Soon come. I'm just manifesting it. Manifesting. But in like as a communicating leader, I've seen you talking to the Queen. Go, everyone go Google it. It's fucking great. Um, you're, you're a communication don't. leader. Um, yes. And as we communicate, we'll watch little groups of people either accept the communication or reject the communication. That's the analogy I'm trying to kind of tease out in this conversation between the spaces. It's like, okay, there I've got a win. I can double down my resources mm-hmm. and we can begin like elevating and celebrating together. Mm-hmm. But I've got this group here that's not listening. And like now I need to go into a reflective, like, do I change? But does that compromise my authenticity? I've got to take them on a journey somehow. And how do I do that? Through compromise. Sure. I think everyone, everyone can be authentic. Everyone can voice their opinion. But at the same time, everyone needs to be aligned. So you can't go with option A, you can't go with option B, but you can find the middle ground. And I think that's where like analytics and data comes into play. Because you have the human side, which is, this is how I view this data. And then you have the logical side, which is, this is literally what the data is telling us. And then you've got people interpreting it in different ways. Mm-hmm. and you just have a discussion about it and you come to a and common ground right absolutely and it's i guess it's the mechanics of that discussion which is a fascinating point and the bit like I, I love exploring the psychology of it all and and how it all but that's what's needed to solve i think personally anyway uh business challenges today so we need the tools like old tricks to help us unlock the data and the insights but then we need a diverse a uh, pool of thought to really interpret that data and make sure that whatever we implement is relatable to a diverse audience. Amen to that. I think that's where the two marry. Yeah, and Oldrix is set up to democratize mm-hmm. the data conversation. So, you know, phase phase one within our strategy is very much about the literacy and data confidence of everyone in the room. And hopefully people like yourself can, I guess continue to support other analysts in improving their data confidence right i mean our organization aims to do that with our tools you aim to do that with your experience Mm -hmm. and your tools and your mentoring and you know i think just to wrap it all up i think it's really great to see how far you come from dreams of being a rock star still dreaming (laughs) to kind of not doing so great in your a levels but using that detour to find yourself as the analyst and future music executive, I said it here first, um, that you're going to be. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it's really important as well what you spoke around psychological safety, us feeling like we can be heard and we belong and that our opinion is um, at least heard and that we have a seat at the table to discuss some of these topics, right? Because that's the only way we can hopefully find some solutions to some of the challenges that we face. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've got one final question for you, Mr. Charlie Torrible. And that is, what advice would you give to anybody that's listening today? 
Because the reason why I say that, and before I go into it, like, don't give the stereotypical advice, which is just work hard. We know that. Oh, what no. I mean, protect yourself. What don't I mean, <laughs> I've done the working hard. It doesn't pay. Just protect. Yourself. Let me clarify that question. Yeah. When I say advice, I mean you've obviously gone through a lot of hurdles, um, but you've still managed to stick to your career in music. You found a different way for yourself. You've created a path for yourself that perhaps you didn't know existed. So with that in mind, what advice would you give to anyone listening today? If you can, get in a mindset where you enjoy the process of learning. Oh, that's good. Because then you can hop and skip your way around anything, really. I think that's the only thing I never want to advocate for uni as a solution as there's going to be so many ways to build up the skill sets in my journey I definitely look to my uni experience for being like the space in which like I really developed confidence in learning and also it had things like all the societies you know Mm -hmm. I went and went for election in various societies and started learning how to fail a bit as well that that's really quickly what uni did you go to southampton okay shout out southampton big up southampton yeah (laughs) um physoc if anyone was in the physics society and so i know that channel worked for me oh man this part breaks my heart a little bit sometimes because a lot of people get fucked up by their teachers like Mm. the 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 learning has been kind of beaten or the joy of it has been beaten out of them by the time you finished uh you know say got to 16 so hey here's a confession I couldn't remember how to code at all I did a tiny bit of coding at uni I had no coding when I went back to Warner and Mm. most of my job now apart from everything picked up by Ultrix most of it requires some fairly substantial uh coding fundamentals I got in I was like yeah 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 yeah, I can code and then within a couple of weeks, it was like I'd called up a few friends. It's like someone needs to teach me how to code. <laughs> uh, and then that got me far enough for six months. And then luckily for me, Ultrix turns up and that sees me through the next two and a half years. But just because I knew if I got in the door, I'm I'm good to learn this. And I'm not I'm not a blagger. I'm not talking about the salesman energy of being like, yeah, I can do this. It's like... Quick disclaimer, we're not encouraging people to land interviews. Just Oh, that no. Should okay. we edit that bit out? No, no, no. We don't need to. <laughs> I just mean that I get it. It was the thing that you knew that you could learn. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, because yeah. you weren't good at coding when you were 16 doesn't mean that you're not going to be good at it today, right? Exactly. And exactly. The, But this has been foundational to... I think most of my journeys when, you know, I quit music and became a production manager for science shows and Mm -hmm. we're touring like the Middle East and we're touring the UK and some of Europe doing shows where we're blowing up hydrogen and things. And you're like having to learn how to do risk assessments or Mm -hmm. tour managing other artists. It's like... You're always learning. Yeah. And it's just being like, you know what, I'm going to be okay because I know how to learn something. Yeah. Would be um, that also... I say that with love and if anyone wants to talk about <laughs> that please reach out on linkedin or socials but i also am aware that there is quite That's a lot charlie of- torrible by the way on linkedin charlie torrible yeah. t-o-r-r-i-b-l-e horrible but with a t exactly thank you so much there is potentially quite a lot of privilege associated with that statement of like yeah just just love learning so and that 
Whoa, sorry, I have to disagree. I don't think so. I think everybody has access to the internet. Sure. And I think learning is not confined to a classroom. Absolutely. And so when you say never stop learning, it's like, well, never stop going on YouTube, never stop going on Google, never stop listening to podcasts. Well, maybe if you've been on YouTube for like eight hours, time to get off YouTube. Agreed. But you know what I mean? Within reason, I think the point you're making is never stop remembering that you don't have all the answers. Yeah. But you can go and seek them. Thank you. Mic drop. Thanks for listening. For resources mentioned in today's episode, including guides for getting started with Alteryx, check out our show notes at community.alteryx.com slash podcast. Catch you next time. Ah, oh, Doyen's the best. She kicks my ass <laughs> constantly. Uh, but oh you know God, what? You're going to get me fired. <laughs> no, no. For, for my... Absolutely to my benefit. Full credit to Ultrix for getting someone so amazing on their team. Because Aww, uh, I I joke with the ass kicking, but it um she is there and and make sure I'm focused and make sure that Ultrix are really I don't know how to phrase this, they're like constantly turbocharging me. So I don't get any time to just like soften into lazy mode there's always something we can be improving that's not a question that's a monologue and so now i'm gonna think of a question for dorian what would what's your favorite thing about inspire so far has there been a either a good uh, talk you've seen or a, a favorite moment or yeah fa- favorite thing of Ultrix inspire so far i think my favorite thing has been seeing my colleagues friends customers partners thrive Mm. i know that sounds very sort of generic but the reason why i say that is because i'm seeing people push themselves whether it be speaking in public hosting on the stage demonstrating the progress they've had with old tricks uh, coming out for dinner and i guess being more sociable if they're an introvert i just see people evolving and i think that's what inspires about Mm-hmm. And so it's been really lovely to witness that and be a part of it. Yeah, heck yeah. And I were on the Ultrix Loving. I yeah. totally support that and, you know, want to share some gratitude for Ultrix has been great. It's given me some speaking platforms and it's done wonders for my progression in that space as well. So yeah, it's amazing seeing, it's exactly as you said, thrive. You can You can feel people you know, sharing excitement and fun ideas. And everyone's lectures are really good. Like, really good. Oh, yeah. Like, what? Yeah. I don't... I've given (laughs) presentations. It's not easy to give, like, a good, clear 30-minute... You go on a journey, go from A, go from B, multiple skill levels in the room. Everyone's like... Yeah, each one I've been like, damn. Yeah. That was well-designed. We've got some intelligent people, but we've got some nice people as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Love that. Thank you. How long have you been at Ultrix? I have been at Ultrix just over a year. Okay. Yeah. And I started in October last year. And what was your journey to Ultrix? As in prior to Ultrix? Yeah. Okay. So prior to Ultrix, uh, I worked at IBM. So I left school at 18, did a gap year at IBM, went to university, but kept going back every summer. And then 
decided that I deserve to be fast tracked because they were fast tracking all the uh, interns. So when I say interns, I mean like placement students who gap year between second and third year of university. Yeah. And I was like, even though I did a year before university, I had done every summer since. And so I had actually done more time combined. Mm -hmm. So I put a case forward and they fast tracked me onto the graduate scheme. Amazing. So I joined IBM and from there I just saw how they were using technology to answer some of the world's biggest problems and I was really intrigued. Why? Never saw myself as a technical person, mm-hmm. still don't really feel like I am, but I like the fact that you can make a difference using technology and I feel like it's going to be here forever and ever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we might as well embrace it. Until the until the, until the machines up, uprise. Well, it's never up. It's just going to keep evolving. Oh, okay, so, that's good. You know. um, and then did a few years there and decided that it was time for a change. Came yep. over to Old Tricks. Amazing. And I've really enjoyed it. It's been a fun ride. Amazing. And hopefully it will continue to be. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what? you're our account exec. Yes, I am. Um, she's an amazing account exec. Like I said, just keeps us focused on progress and, and opening doors about uh, all the new exciting things we can do, which I never even realised. I didn't pay him to say that. No, so no, know. but this, this it is... it sounds like I did. <laughs> no, but this is the authentic energy. Like, I want... Um, it's, it's given me a lot, so I uh, want to kind of give give back. It is funny, like tone everyone is quite fanatical here the event mm. is called ultrix inspire but yeah and i'm becoming one of these people and i'm a little bit like have i joined a cult <laughs> is this like no it's just good vibes it is good a vibes lot of i know high i can leave at vibes. any time i want yes i can't he's not can't chained <laughs> or anything like that of course there's drink <laughs> and refreshments provided exactly oh man uh what are you most excited about in the I guess the Ultrix roadmap maybe that's not quite the right right word it's like you're responsible for us like developing and onboarding with the tool yeah what you know what gets you excited about it from your side what about our products yeah is that like I don't really know what this question is I'm going to answer the question in a way that I think you're trying to say which is what am I excited about within our portfolio oh yeah and I think, for me, what's super exciting is Auto Insights. Oh! Yes. Love it. No, but the reason why I love it is because I, I generally think it's a, it's a great product. Yeah. And, you know, we heard earlier in the conference from Natalie, um, yeah. who manages Auto Insights. Um, so the reason why I think it's great is because I do think it actually solves a business challenge that a lot of customers have, which is they've got to share information in real time to executives who may not understand all the mechanics that takes place within a dashboard, right? And sometimes you know there's information there, but you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And I think it's really cool that it highlights that. And I think it's great that it highlights that in plain English as well, because we're not all techies. Yeah. And so I think sometimes simplicity is the superpower that's needed to just kind of get on with things amen and that's what auto insights does love it smashed it thanks um i'm gonna go to the auto insights booth i need to go check that out because i have been told multiple times not just by doyen by multiple people that (laughs) the problems i am verbalizing the challenges i'm facing i want solutions for 
can be fixed in that. So I need to like get my head out of the sand, mm. go and check it out. Thanks for tuning in to Charlie's Half <laughs> of the podcast. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Um, anything you want to, uh, anyone you want to shout out? And what, what, what do we do at the end? What you, what you having for dinner? What am I having for dinner? Have you got a fancy dinner booked in? I do. Oh, yeah. Am I invited? Not Maybe. to this one. <laughs> Where are Maybe. we going? Uh, everyone, I'm not sure when this goes out, but it's Doyne's birthday on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Blow up her Twitter. Blow- do you have Twitter? I do. What is it? It's it's so boring. It's at Doyne Sonny Bar. Okay. It's very boring. Fantastic. Surname yeah. spelled? S-O-N-I-B-A-R-E. Amazing. Uh, everyone go wish Doyne a happy birthday. Say thanks for being an amazing AE. And that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you. <laughs>